Man, it's good to see your faces. Let me pray for us. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for today. I thank you for your kindness to us, um, your grace, your ever-present uh, help in times of trouble, um, your meaning and purpose that you give to us, just your life in exchange for ours. Um, we love you. We love you. Be honored in our time today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Be seated. Well, welcome to Safe Haven Church. Uh, my name is Troy Nicholson, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we have uh, five other elders uh, alongside me, and, and it's, it's, it's an honor to, to be here and, and, and be here with you today. Um, <clears throat> so here's the deal. I want to honor, uh, I, I guess I want to begin, I, I want to honor you guys. I want to kick off 2024 by honoring you. Um, so, so let's do it this way. And, and guest, I know you may, may feel a little uncomfortable here in this moment, but that's okay. Just, just hang in there with us. Um, members, all members of Safe Haven Church, I'd like to ask you to stand, if you would. If you would, if you just stand. Um, and I want to kick off by honoring you by just saying, thank you. Thank you. Like, I wish I could go around and hug every single one of you. And for those of you who don't like hugs, give you a double hug. Um, I, I wish I could high-five all of you. Um, thank you. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for allowing me um, the chance to get away in December. Um, what you gave our family was absolutely priceless. So, thank you. Um, so, if, if you would... Um, receive that truly as an honor and a hug and a high five or whatever you're comfortable with. Um, so elders and uh, the three J's, if you would remain standing, but everybody else be seated. Um, elders, thank you for leading, feeding, guiding, and protecting our flock. Um, church, we are blessed to have these men um, chasing after the Lord and leading, feeding, guiding, and protecting. Would you help me thank them? Thank you. Three J's remain standing. Gentlemen, thank you for breaking open the text and washing our church. Um, in the Word, exalting Jesus through the text. Um, in my absence, uh, we are forever, ever grateful. Um, I will say this. Uh, Johnny, I love you. Your humility um, in, the, in the way that you bring about humility through the text is just incredible. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Uh, Jim, cardiac elasticity. What is that? <laughs> Wowzers. I mean, I know what it is because of the text. Holy moly. Uh, thank you. Um, you are a walking Twitter bomb. Your quotes that come out are so inspirational. Thank you for pointing us uh, to Jesus. You can be seated. Jarrett. And I quote, Don't tell Troy this, but Johnny is the only one who's ever preached and made me cry. And you too can be seated. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you, church. Um, thank you so much. Guests, if you don't know what that's all about, the church gave me a sabbatical uh, for the month of December. It was great to get away, to just breathe. It was full of repentance, reloading, repentance, refreshing, repentance, restoration, repentance. It was just really, really good to get away and to, to pray and to think and to, and to breathe and, and just to be revived. And, and I walk away rejoicing, uh, rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I really do walk away with it. Thank you uh, for that. So there's been one question that was a clear winner since I've been back. Pretty much uh, as soon as the car pulled back into Northport, I started getting this question right here, this one question. Troy, I know you and I know that after about five days, you probably was going stir-crazy, so what on earth did you do? What, what did you do with, with your time? What did you, what'd you do with that? And I want to kind of unpack that, because I think it'll be good for us, but I also, also think it'll lead into where we're headed in the text today. Um, first of all, I read. Um, I read quite a bit. Here are some of the books that I read. I read Ray Ortland's Marriage and the Mystery of the Gospel. Um, I read Ray Ortland's The Death of Porn, uh, Men of Integrity, Building a World of Nobility. And then I read uh, Scroggins Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations. These books were incredible. Um, As a matter of fact, you'll be hearing a lot of this fleshing itself out um, in the months to come. As we do some emphases on marriage and relationships and singleness and, 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 and just what it looks like to live out evangelically. I mean, a lot of this stuff. And so these were incredibly formative during that time. I was also able to read through uh, Paul and John's epistles and chew through them and dialogue with those. Um, I also then read through all of your prayer cards um, several times from last year. And so somebody just lost a half of theirs. But... We'll do this again today, Um, if if you don't know what that's about. I pray through these all year long. Um, It's just a chance for you to write down things that I can join you in prayer. I pray for you at red lights. I pray for you at ballparks. I pray for you on the beach. I pray for you in a lot of places. So um, please, thank you. Number one, thank you for letting me be a part of that. And and we'll do that again at the end today. Um, So I had a chance to do that. And then I read various articles, lots of various articles on introverts and extroverts from a gospel perspective, uh, from Prager University, from InterVarsity, from Gospel Coalition, um, and of course the YouTube and the Google and all this kind of stuff, just kind of processing through how are we made and how does that fit into church life, and and so I read quite a bit, Um, so that was what I was doing. Then I began to write some things, and so as I began to write some things, um, I started making lists. And lists of what I need to do next and then what I can't do. And I'm not talking about in 2024. I was talking about literally in my time there in the condo. I started writing out lists of what I should do and what I shouldn't do. What I, what I should do. Well, okay, here's what time I can work out. Here's what time I can read. Here's what time I can pray. Here's what time I can write. Here's what time I can do these things. What I can't do. Um, I cannot rest, I cannot walk, I cannot talk to anyone, I cannot watch TV, I cannot eat bad, I cannot waste time. And I started crafting all these lists out. And then that turned into me writing about why on earth am I in an isolated condo with nobody in the town writing to-do lists with nobody around. And then that turned into me drawing about this wrestling I was having internally about the fact that I was writing lists and shouldn't be writing lists and why am I writing lists? And, and so just so 
you don't think I'm crazy, but you actually know that I'm crazy. This is what happened. I started drawing about performance and laziness and the pendulum and slothfulness and joy and what is the balance and how does that fit and blah, blah, blah. And, and so then that'll get off the screen. And after that, I started writing out thoughts about on that pet sin that I have more than anything being performance. And then it, that turned into me writing about my thoughts on my thoughts about thinking those thoughts. And then that turned into me almost calling Jim and scheduling a therapy session. And it's just a whirlwind. And... In all of that, I found myself failing at sabbatical. And so, the Lord was gracious. I just put everything down. I was so worried about it. I didn't want to disappoint you. These guys have let me go away, and, and I gotta do this, and I gotta fill this time, and I've gotta read this, and I've gotta come back with something. Like, like, like some of you may have come today going, All right, he's been gone a month today, he's gonna say that one thing. And I felt that pressure of, like, there's gotta be that one thing. And then I was like, I don't have the thing, I gotta come up with the thing, and I gotta, and I just, I just finally just stopped. And I was like, God, what is wrong with me? Why can't I just rest? And so then I did something, perhaps led by the Lord, perhaps by self. I don't know. I just grabbed the bag chair. <laughs> and I propped it open. And I went. And I just sat it down on the beach. And I just sat there. And I felt like a crazy person. And I was glad that nobody was in town. Because here's this one bald guy sitting with some pelicans around him. (laughs) Um, And I just grabbed the chair. And I just asked the Lord, Lord, will you just get me back to the basics? God, I don't even know who I am. Who am I? What? What? Who am I? And so I just started thinking. And um, I asked the question, Troy, what, what do you believe? Let's just start there. What do you believe? And I thought about it. And in the chair, I thought, well, here's what I believe. I believe that I am rotten. I believe that. Like, God, if you want to boil it down to what do I believe more than anything, I believe that. I believe that I am a scoundrel. I believe that when I read Paul saying, I'm the chief of sinners, I believe he's crazy because I know that I'm the chief of sinners. I believe that. Um, I believe that there's nothing good in me. I believe that even my best efforts to please the Lord is as filthy rags. I believe that. Like, I believe that. And so I kind of settled on that. And I thought about that. And I just sat in the chair, again, with Fred the Heron, hoping for a goldfish. Um, 
And I thought, well, I'm rotten. And then somewhere through that, the Lord was gracious to come in and go, you are. But because of me, you are also royalty. You're royalty, Troy. Because of the work that I've done, you are not a scoundrel, but you are a son. And he kind of bathed over me what it means that through him I'm a son. And then he took it to the next step of, Troy, not only are you a son, but because of what I've done, I have made you a saint. And I just kind of processed through that. I'm not, I'm not just a son, but because of Christ, I'm a saint. And then I started thinking through that. And then the Lord just kind of washed over me. And not only are you a son, and not only are you a saint, but you are a citizen of heaven, meaning you are a child of the king, a royal treasure, a prince. And man, I'm going to be honest with you, that one was a hard pill to swallow. Because I just don't feel that a lot of times, but I just kind of let that wash over me. And I was like, man, yes, I believe that I am rotten, and I believe because of what Jesus said, I am also simultaneously royalty. And then I thought, why do I believe that? And then the only other thing that I could come up with, the third thing that I believe, I believe that I'm rotten. But I believe I'm also a royalty because Jesus said it, and the Bible explains all those things. That's all I got. Like, that's it. That's the epiphany moment. So I don't know if that's what you were looking for, but that's all I got. But I want to say this. Kicking off 2024, maybe you've got all kind of resolutions, and you're just kind of processing, who am I, what am I doing, what... I don't know what all the Lord's leading you in your life, but I know this. You're rotten. I love you enough to tell you that. <laughs> like, you're really bad. Eddie, you're, you're probably the worst. Yeah. Um, like, you're real bad. You, you're, like, you're, probably, you're way worse than you think you are. But if you're in Christ, hey, hear me say this. You are Royalty. You're royalty. You're not a son or a daughter, but you're a saint and you're a citizen of heaven. And the Father looks on you and he sees you with eyes that beam and glimmer and sparkle. And his chest puffs out and he looks at you and he goes, this one is mine. That's how much he loves you. He has changed your name, not from nothing to something, but from nothing to his you're his. That's who you are in 2024. And why do I know that's true? Because the Bible, that's all it talks about. That's all it talks about. So I don't know where 2023 ended with you, but don't you dare let the baggage of 2023 slow you down to who you are and who you can become in 2024. That's it. That's it. So I thought about that. And I was like, Luke, it's not going to lend itself to going there, Lord. And when I come back, I've got to preach on the woes. <laughs> right? 
Like, how do you come back? Yeah, Jamie, I mean, how do you, you know, Jarrett preaches on the blesseds to end 2023. And I'm like, Lord, I, that's great, but I've got to come back and, and we got to pick Luke back up. And, and so the Lord was gracious to take me, not to Luke, but to a passage that I'd kind of already been chewing through um, on, on, before I left. Uh, and that's what I want to do today. I want to kind of break script and throw the curveball, if you will, real fast. And let's look at Matthew chapter 9. If you've got your Bible, um, go ahead and open it up and, and turn it to Matthew chapter 9. If you have your phone and an app on it, pull it open and, and pop it open to Matthew chapter 9. It will also be on the screen. Um, and we're just going to go through this. And so as I'm sitting in the chair, in the bag chair, I'm just kind of hanging out. This is the passage that I read. And, and so I read it for several hours. And so I thought if I read it for several hours, then we should do so today. So we'll be in here till about 4 o'clock. Now, let's just, let's just kind of read through it. This is verse 36. Um, when Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. And when I read that, I just kind of jotted down in my Bible, shepherds see needy sheep. Jesus, the great shepherd, he saw. I think that's one of the, the cool things in this passage is Jesus, he was constantly looking around and he, he saw. And most New Year's resolutions, if you think about them, and maybe you have them, if you have them, they probably deal with you, Right? Your New Year's resolutions, these are the things that I want to do for me. These are the things I need to do, things I need to fix, things I need to work on for my family. Most New Year's resolutions are like that, but Jesus' resolution wasn't like that at all. His daily resolution wasn't, what do I need to do? It was always looking around. It was constantly seeing, and he was seeing people, the crowds, and he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless. In 2024, man, I think living out the fact that, man, we are sinners, but we are also royalty, and the Bible tells us all that, what that does is that qualifies us to be shepherds who are constantly looking around and seeing the needs of other sheep. So this call, I think this calls us to kind of look out and give our lives away to other people. So if you're looking for a New Year's resolution, man, how about that one? How about... Less of me and more of other people. How about looking around and seeing, man, this person is harassed and this person is helpless and this person is needy. And here's how God has wired me to fit in and to help serve them and to love them and to give my life for them. I think that's our call. I think that's what God's called us and that's part of being royal to. Now, here's the deal. If you give your life away for sheep, other sheep are most likely like you. They're messy. And if you give your life away for sheep, most likely you'll end up messy. If you give your life away in 2024, it won't feel like a bubble bath. And man, I love a bubble bath. I, I know. You're, I love a bubble bath. I'm just going to say that 2024, let's kick it off. I want you to know I love a bubble bath. I love bath bombs. I love to stick a candle on the bathtub. I'm that guy, all right? I know, too much. Kelsey, that's too much, isn't it, right? I love a bubble bath. And I think a lot of times, and all the manly men are, I'm a shower only guy. Well, you need to try a bubble bath. <laughs> It'll soften your hard heart up. All right? 
So here's the deal. I think a lot of times when we think about serving others, we think that it's like all flowery and like a bubble bath, and it's not. It's not. It's messy. It will cost a lot. It'll require a lot. It'll hurt. It'll sting. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, it will not feel like a bubble bath, but it will be a sweet aroma to the Lord. And ultimately, isn't that our purpose on earth? To offer up aromas to the Lord, giving our lives away for others. So I thought about that. Shepherds see needy sheep. And then it goes on to say this. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I thought, well, well, that's pretty clear. Sheep need shepherds. So who is the shepherd? Who are they talking about there? Well, and, and in the scriptures, we know of at least three shepherds. Number one, the Lord is my the Lord is my shepherd. So we know the Lord is the shepherd for sure. But in the scripture, Jesus is also called the great shepherd. And then later on in 1 Peter, we're called to be under shepherds. So I thought, well, who is the shepherds he's talking about? And then I was like, oh, that's us. It's not only us just because in this text, not only um, is it that, that Jesus is going, I see them and I know that they need a shepherd, but right after this, he's not going to say, I'll be their shepherd. He turns and looks, what's the next verse say? To who? The disciples. He turns to the disciples and he says, I, I see they need a shepherd, and he turns and looks to the disciples. So here's the question. Jesus could have just given himself and said, they need a shepherd, I'll be the shepherd, boom, bam, boom. Why did he turn to the disciples? And I thought, man, because he's given us purpose far beyond ourselves. And don't we all live to be part of a greater narrative? And there is no greater narrative than to be shepherd pointing other sheep to the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's who God's called us to be. And I thought about this, and this line just kind of thought, I started thinking about Safe Haven. I was like, all right, well, what does that mean for us? We need to hire some more pastors. And I was like, no, no, that's, that's not it at all. Because here's what I think this text is saying, is that Safe Haven doesn't need five pastors. Safe Haven needs 300 pastors. That's what this text is calling us to see. In 2024, will you give your life away for the glory of God as a shepherd for somebody else? Because sheep without a shepherd are not a good thing, according to the text. I read that. And so then he does turn. And then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. And I thought, wow, okay, according to this, if the harvest is plentiful then therefore God has indeed ordained sheep near you. If the harvest is plentiful, the pressure's off. And so if, if I scream this out and I go, hey, God's calling us to be shepherds, and you go, whoa, that's too lofty of a calling. I, I don't speak well enough. I don't do this well enough. Well, it's not about you at all. If God has ordained that the harvest is already plentiful, then it's not about your capability, and it's not about your ability. It's just about your availability. I'm just going, I'm here. I'm here to step in with somebody else and just love them to the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's it, man. There's no greater calling than that, church. And God has in, 
indeed ordained sheep near you. So therefore, it's not about your skill. Church, individuals, in 2024, hear this. You can reach someone that nobody else can reach. In a way that nobody else is equipped to reach them. In a place where nobody else has the availability to go. God put you as lights where you are to bring about light. Will you pull the chain and go, yes, use me right here, right now, this year. That's our call. So I think in this text, shepherds see needy sheep. Sheep need shepherds. God has ordained sheep near you. And then this. But the laborers are few. And when I read that at first, I thought, oh, that's kind of sad. But then I thought, no. That's a glorious opportunity. That means that the job market is wide open. The door is flung wide. It's not... Oh, no, Jesus saw the laborers were few. No, it goes, Jesus goes, the laborers are few. In other words, get up off your duff and just do something. Share with somebody. And you go, Troy, okay, all right, I'm, I'm starting to hear it. What do I do? Hey, how about this? I don't know, cook some meatloaf. If you don't like, buy some tacos. Uh, go to the co-worker next to you and go, hey, man, let, let me... Let me just buy you some tacos. Just hang out. Just give your life away in some measure. How can you do that one thing nobody else can do in a place that nobody else can do it in a way that nobody else can reach that person? Just do it. Just do it. So as I thought about that, I thought about this. A lot of times I think in our church, we are more interested in hearing the gospel than we are in living out the gospel. Hey, let's don't be that church. I'm so thankful that we have preachers who every time they're going to stand up here, man, and they are going to give you the gospel. They're going to flood you with the grace of Christ. They're going to flood you with the fact that he overcomes your sin, that, that he, he, he champions his righteousness for you. We're going to give you that all year long. But man, let's not come in here going, yes, I want to receive the sugary, goody gumdrops and then walk out of there and just suck on that straw all week long for myself. Man, let's hear the gospel and be just as passionate about walking out and giving that to somebody else as we are receiving it for ourselves. Let's be that. The laborers are few. Let's not let the laborers be few in Safe Haven Church. And then I read this quote. Howard Guinness, 1950s. Where are the young men of this generation who will hold their lives cheap and be faithful even unto death. Where are the adventurers, the explorers, the buccaneers for God who count one human soul of far greater value than the rise and fall of an empire? Where are God's men and women in this day of God's power? Where are they? And by God's grace, when I read that, I thought, they're in this room. They're in this room. Where are those people? It's you. It's you. And I don't say that in like a, like a, like a, 
like a mean way. Like I don't say that in a negative way. Like I don't see that like as a, you're not doing it. What I'm saying is when I read that, I thought, I know their gifts. I know their talents. I know their ability. I know how God has wired so many people in this room. It really is you. This room is full of a bunch of buccaneers. And I'm not even sure quite what that word is. But the adventurers and the ones who have the ability to go forth, this room is chalked full of them by God's grace. So the laborers may be few, but by gosh, they're not few in Northport. Let's do it. Let's do it this year. So, wrapping it up with this. He said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, what do I do? And then peculiar. Somebody just said it. Who just said it? Therefore, do what? Pray. Pray. <laughs> what do you mean, pray? God, you just, Jesus, you just laid out this whole championing, a harvest is plentiful, labels are a few, sheep without a shepherd, they need you, they can, you can be used, all this kind of stuff. So pray? No. Like it should say, then go knock on some doors. Or go hand out some water. Or go do this. Or go. He says, therefore pray. And then it hit me. Are we a church that prays? We pray every now and then. We pray at calculated times. We pray before our meals. But man, are we fervently engaged in strategic and intentional laboring in prayer. And I thought about this. This morning, the room is packed. If we called a Wednesday night prayer meeting to just pray, no music, just pray, how many people would show up? You probably can tell the vitality and lifeblood of a church by who will show up at a prayer meeting as opposed to just a Sunday morning when the show is going to occur. Are we a church that prays? And man, it got me. If we want to see the Lord do something amazing, revivalistic in Northport, it's not going to be because of us and our ability. It's, because, it's going to be because we were willing to bow our knees and beg the Lord to do something that only He can do. And isn't that the essence of prayer? Isn't prayer just going, God, I acknowledge that I can't do anything and I acknowledge that you alone can do everything. And not only everything, but abundantly more than I could ever ask or imagine or dream. And he says this, but pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. And prayer is just the means by which God rings the dinner bell. That's all I could think of as we wrap it up. One of my most favorite videos, one of my favorite reels this year, and I do love a reel. Uh, one of my favorite reels was, some of you guys have seen it, the, the family who has the chicken farm, and they ring the, the dinner bell, and then all those chickens start running. <laughs> have y'all seen that one? And, and at first, there's like one chicken that comes running. 
you're like, oh, cute, there's a chicken. Then you're like, oh, my gosh, there's a whole herd, flock. Is it a flock of chickens? <laughs> I feel like there's another word. And surely in Northport, we got a chicken farmer. Come on. Gaggle? A whole, we'll go with flock. But I'm going to debate you on that. We'll check that out at the end. All right. Um, and then all of a sudden, all of them start coming. There's two chickens, three chickens. And they just start running and they're just flooding in. And as I think about that, man, if we want to be used in 2024, I believe if we'll engage ourselves in laborious, strategic prayer, we'll see God bringing some chickens into his flock. Doesn't matter if they come to Safe Haven or not. That is completely irrelevant. But we want to see them flooding the kingdom like never before. And you can be a part of that. So that's it, church. We're going to pray this year. And we're going to unpack some different ways to do that. I would tell you what they are, but I don't know what they are. We'll have to flesh through that. We're going to pray. We're going to have opportunities to pray. Um, And we want you to engage in that. We're going to pray for people by name. We're going to pray for families by name. We're going to pray for events by name. We're going to pray the Holy Spirit gives us boldness. We're going to pray for opportunities by name. And if you would be gracious to fill out one of these cards, you can go ahead and tell me ways to pray for you specifically in 2024. So, for anyone whose New Year's resolutions was focused on your performance. How are you going to rest better? How are you going to manage better? How are you not going to burn out? And for anybody whose New Year's resolutions were the opposite, not focused on your performance, but focused on your laziness. How am I going to grow this year? How am I going to be healthy? How am I going to be intentional? And, honestly, for all you whose New Year's resolutions were spiritual... How am I going to read more? How am I going to pray more? How am I going to connect with the church more? I want to say two things in closing. Number one, all those resolutions, church, are wonderful. They're all wonderful. Like, I really hope you knock them out of the park this year. Like, all those things, I pray they are incredible. And we're even going to help you. We're going to address a lot of those things this year. We're going to have a lot of mini-series to address many of those things. We want to walk alongside you in every aspect. Plug in, get involved, and let's ride this journey together. So that's number one. But number two, even though those resolutions are wonderful, start with a bag chair. I know we're already seven days in. Grab you a bag chair. Throw it in the yard. I know, I wish you could go to the beach. <laughs> it was incredible. Lake Lurleen has a beach. <laughs> now, if you multiple, multiple of you go out there, it's going to be awkward because you're going to see each other, you know, whatever... But grab you a bag chair, sit it down somewhere, and just start with, God, forget all that other stuff. What do I believe? And what do you want me to do? 
you might just find out. You're rotten. You're a real mess. But Jesus says you are royalty. So therefore, Dan, you are his royal mess. And the Bible explains all that. So leverage 2024 in telling everyone else how they too can get in on that truth. Let's pray together. Lord, I just want to Thank you. That Safe Haven Church really is full of young men and young women and mature men and mature women. Men and women of this generation who I genuinely believe want to hold their lives cheap and want to be faithful even unto death. I want to thank you that this room really is full of adventurers, explorers, and buccaneers who really do want to count one human soul of far greater value than the rise and fall of an empire. I want to thank you that at Safe Haven Church, you have filled us full of God's men and women in this day of your power. In 2024 that we will know that we in and of ourselves are indeed rotten. But because of you, we are royalty. This book that's alive explains it all. And we really can make an impact by telling everyone how they can get in on that truth. Lord, that we would leverage our lives this year for your glory. 